Church, Pastor Janelle Netland. Pastor Rebel Hurd. It's great to be church together. Amen. 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 Pastor Bill Tesh, it's good to be with you. Well, listeners, today we are in episode five here of our podcast, Embers, poking around at your burning questions, looking at Jonathan Malasic's book, Malasic, The End of Burnout. Malasic, Malasic. And we were so glad he's a partner with us. And even though we pronounce his name differently each time. Yeah. Um, we want to get cover all the pronunciations. That's right. Um, we are, uh, hey, by the way, I don't know if we've ever told our listening audience how we got the name of this podcast. So I thought it was yeah. a secret. Well, let's reveal it right it, it, now. It's by... not a secret okay. because we did some taping at the Great Center Get Together. And we're going to learn about that right now. Well, hi, Renee. Hi, Rebel. How are you today? I'm good. Well, I'm glad you're here. We got to meet and have a wonderful lunch together when I was at the conference for a gathering. And um, I do believe that I said, I'm going to take this question to the conference meeting. And then I, I, I told you about the podcast you did. and said, I really am hoping that we can come up with some names and maybe we'll do a contest. And at that meeting, 20 <laughs> minutes later, you threw out what? Embers. Right. Do you remember the tagline? My tagline? Yeah. Yeah. Something. Oh, I don't. But it was like... <laughs> Fanning the flames for new life or something. Right. Oh, sure. I think it's better now. I think you were working on it. No. And so I sent that out to the team and said, hey, I think that Pastor Renee figured out our new name for our podcast. And then, oh, moments later, Bishop uh, texted back with the add-on to our podcast, right? Yes. Yes, poking around at your burning questions. And here we are. And here we are. So we wanted to have you on to um, say thank you. It's you pretty most, stinking welcome. important, right? Good job. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> every once in a while, I can be brilliant on the spot. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. And you, um, I think, are full of lots of other brilliant ideas. What do you think? Sure. <laughs> Well, for uh, those listening, we did spend a good hour coming up with all the, you know, all the problem fixers and, um, and did ask some other burning questions. And so we want to take this moment to remind people that they can also bring their burning questions and, you know, even suggestions for future podcast names, right? Absolutely. We don't know if we'll actually use them or ever do another podcast again. <laughs> You never know. You never know. It, it's tough to say. You never know what might get claimed from these embers oh, that are in our midst. You're good. You're just good. You know. <laughs> well, thank you. You are a gift and you gave us a gift. So thank we want you. to say thank you. Thank you. You're the most welcome. So we're so grateful for the community that we get to work with, like Amen. Pastor Renee and Laporte. Thank you for uh, helping us with that. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Benedictine rituals, how living in community matters. And professional church workers know better maybe than our people in the pews how important community life is uh, being together. And so we had some great uh, write-ins this time and about the Benedictine uh, community. We thank um, Rob for writing in. And Rob Nelson. Enjoyed, yep, enjoyed reading the book, uh, especially through the lens of being retired. And um, 
He loved uh, chapter seven, how Benedictines tamed the demons of work. It brought back fond memories of retreating at St. John's Abbey and Assumption Abbey in Richardson, North Dakota. Uh, I too have um, retreated at St. John's. We'll talk a little bit about that. You too, Bishop? Yeah, I, I too. I used to have a ritual of going there uh, the Sunday before um, Ash Wednesday and nice. staying through the afternoon of Ash Wednesday. I haven't done it in a while. So that's a true Maybe confession. You Maybe I think you could. I probably could. Maybe and I, I would like to. It's too late now. I'll have to wait till next year. Yes. Thanks, Rob, for uh, writing in. That That's really helpful. We also heard from Pastor David, and he talks a, a little bit about um, St. Augustine's house. And he retreats there, which is also a, a surrounded by the Benedictine community, and shares this really beautiful memory uh, of time of, just following the rules of St. Benedict, um, how it's a guideline for the monastic community there, you know, from the from the sixth century and how, you know, when the bell rings, they gather in community mm -hmm. for worship, for prayer, for evening prayer, for Compline, um, and how all of that ritual just really helps center him. And um, he says, for me, the monastery is a good opportunity to recenter myself in prayer and the word of God. I also try to observe some of the prayer practices when I leave, periods for morning prayer and evening prayer, and setting apart times for prayer, work, and rest. I hope to offer an adult forum on Benedictine spirituality and possible applications to us in the coming months here at church. The richness of the tradition offers fertile ground for spiritual growth. We really appreciate yeah. that. Thank you, Pastor David. Yeah. It's great. You know, I think Pastor David is onto something there with... Um, wanting to share it in his congregation because my observation is that the the way of life and and, and even um, if we don't like become a Benedictine but just simply that rhythm of work and rest and prayer it's really only possible in community true when other people yeah. are helping you remain accountable right when you are not convinced that i am solely responsible for all of the work that must be done today mm -hmm. but right. that others will have your back when you're not working all of that's just essential i mm -hmm. think and to think that these spiritual practices aren't above and beyond they are part of your daily life and so people expect you to be there uh, because without you, they miss something. Yeah. And I think that's a powerful statement about being in community too. Your prayers are missed when you're not here. And we're better together. Better yeah. together. Mm -hmm. When we talk about vocation, we're often, we often talk about, we're really thinking about just our work, but our, in a holistic sense, our vocation includes our time for prayer. It includes the times of refreshment, mm -hmm. time with family and friends. All of that is a part of what we are called into. Um, as we live as baptized people. For so. sure. Yeah, I think um, I too lived in a Lutheran Episcopal house at the University of Kansas, and we lived under the Benedictine rule. Um, we had weekly rituals. One of us stayed, stayed vigil in the chapel, for instance, praying over our community and doing things like that, as well as leading worship, feeding people. But what really shaped me at that point was the Benedictine principle of welcoming the other as Christ. We had a red door, the Episcopal red door, that was a sign of welcome. You were welcome there. And that everyone who walked through the door was welcomed as if it was Christ himself. And that was really shaping for me to start seeing Christ and the other 
Um, and uh, again, didn't know the vocational call was right around the corner. But so this mm -hmm. chapter really resonated with me too about just retreating, sticking back to rituals, which honestly, friends, I'm not great at. I, I, yeah. I ebb and flow with my rituals. Me too. I vacillate. Um, and I, I, I love to hear rituals. Let us know what you do for rituals. But I have to tell you that I try something. And then it ebbs and flows and I try something else, but trying to be held accountable in community is really what will help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a practice that I've developed over many years as a huge extrovert. It, it took work for me to develop a, a, a practice of prayer that I would say maybe oftentimes lends itself more to the introverted personality. Right. But, um, but it, it involves dwelling in the word for the day, which is usually from the lectionary and yes. then some time in contemplation and prayer. And I oftentimes I use a rosary that just helps to focus me. I don't say the, the, the traditional rosary words, but, um, but I, something I, tangible though, yeah, to mm -hmm, just keeps me, uh, guides me through, but I, I go through eras where I'm very faithful in that. And then something bumps me off. Mm -hmm. And it feels like it's more work than to come back to it. And I do, I do come back, but I, in a community, I'd, I'd be better at being more regular with it and sustaining it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that has been a, a blessing in my life when talking about ritual is that, um, you know, I, I walked the streets for many, many years and people would hold me accountable to whether or not I prayed for them. And I didn't want to lie and say, oh, yes, I did. Of course I did. Um, of course, but it, it became a thing where I knew the folks that I would encounter that day. And every morning I would say their name in prayer. And so yep. when I came across them, I could say, you were prayed for today. And I wanted it to be genuine and real. And when I would come across someone that that I, I didn't know I would see, you know, we would say a prayer there and I would promise that I would continue those prayers in, in the morning. And for me, I hate mornings. I'm not a morning gal. <laughs> I am not a morning person. Um, and so it, it is my excuse to be slow to drink my coffee and to pray for the people in my life that I love and the people that I am meeting and the people who, um, you know, just, I have quite a long list. And when I say I'm going to add you to my morning prayers, I actually mean it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that's longer that I get to sit with my coffee and quiet. Yes. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think hearing uh, Lent is a great time. You know, we talked about wearing something else, trying something on, uh, adding something or taking something off your plate as we've mm -hmm. held each other accountable to the things we committed to, too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I do think the, the beauty of that is, is really saying this is what produces meaning. Mm -hmm. And it may or may not be part of our work or our mm -hmm. hours, um, but it is, it is what God designed us to do. Mm -hmm. Pray yeah. for one another, love one another. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody of God's creation is called to do these things. And so some of my rituals might not be spiritual, but it produces meaning in my life, gives me identity in my life. And so I think thinking about the people we minister to in our congregations and our faith communities to encourage having some kind of pattern of accountability that also brings meaning is, is what I think some of the Benedictine lifestyle is trying to bring out. Yeah. There's something about living close to creation too, that provides its own accountability because I live on 
a lake. And here we are today. That's where yes. we're doing our podcast today. Ginger tried to say a few words. Yes, she was dreaming. On the podcast. And, uh, and, and, it, and the, the creation is its own community because it's very evident there's a tree that needs trimming or uh, yes. there's some shrubs that need cutting mm -hmm. back or there's leaves that need raking. They just stand there and they cry out and it's, it's really healthy and wholesome and for me to get out there and engage that work. And it's a, it's, it's a kind of ritual here too. Yes. And if you're on a farm, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. Um, <laughs> whether it was horses or chickens or guineas or ducks, or, you know, we were the home for wayward animals. So sometimes we would have a blind, blind cow or, you know, an animal that didn't get fed. And, and we, lived and loved those moments of being out with the animals and digging in the dirt. I, I, I had seven gardens. And so I am so looking forward to starting my new garden in our new home um, and digging in and see what, see what beauty that brings. But it just, it connects you to this earth that God, you know, gave us um, and it connects us in a way that we just, we get to be humans Right. Mm -hmm. Living exactly. in this beautiful place. And yep. yeah, it's just glorious. It's definitely a ritual for me, for sure. Well, I want to name for some of our listeners um, the uh, whatever it is about the outdoors. So whether that's a, a lake or a, or, or a wooded area or a farm, it's their full time. That's that is their work. Yes. And so yes. It, it might just be the opposite for them of things that draw them away from the work. It might be inside right. the house. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And not everybody loves the outdoors. I mean, I, I have three daughters and one of them, she would say, have fun. I'll be in here. Yeah. <laughs> if she would never have to leave the house, that would have just made her, you know, day great. So we're, we're certainly all created differently and, and it works. I think Jonathan in his book talks about how the monastic life really brought him back to the center. Mm -hmm. um, this is chapter seven. We're almost done with the book. Just thinking about how he started seeing life through a different lens when he was brought back to some, to some ritual practices, like you said, dwelling in the word, mm -hmm. um, praying for one another, watching the community gather was all really a powerful transformation in his, you know, idealism of what his dream job would be, the disaster of that dream job, not being what was fulfilling for him. And then landed, then landing in chapter seven brought us to this place of centering, recentering, seeing himself, as a purely uh, child of God that was gifted with all these gifts uh, to glorify God's kingdom. And, and now he is, his life song is sharing with that. We have a cultural problem with, with uh, burning out as if it's a badge of honor and that that's not how God designed us. Um, so chapter seven, I hope you really enjoy reading how that bringing back to center. And again, however that is on the farm, on the lake, in, in a worshiping community, away from all those things, more engaged in all those things, whatever that brings that identity, clarity, purpose, meaning about how God designed us. Uh, we, we, um, trust that you, that you find that place. Yeah. And I think the challenge in that for all of us, for me, I'll just say for me is to identify who is my community who will help me remain it, um, accountable to, the lifestyle that I want to have um, with who will call me out when I'm being drawn out of it and 
overworking. And who, who is the community that will support us? Ooh, is this now the time for me to read yes, this? Yes, please. <gasps> thank you. How we're going to wrap you. up our podcast today. Wonderful. I, I love this. Um, this is from the Right Reverend Stephen Charleston. And I follow the Native American Indigenous Ministries of the Episcopal Church on Facebook. And I, I read them nearly every day because they, 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 they do something beautiful to my soul. So this is what he says. Go get some rest. I will keep an eye on the universe for you. I know there is a lot going on in the world right now, and I imagine you have a long list of other things that need your attention. But you cannot be fully present to all of it if you're tired. So part of your mindfulness is knowing when it's time to let go. When that time comes, I invite you to listen to what your mind and body are telling you and take me up on my offer. We can all take turns keeping watch. It is the wise and healthy thing to do. So when you feel the need to disengage for a while, please do. Some of us will be here until you get back. Lovely. Amen. Amen. May it be so. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you. May God look upon you with favor. And, and may, may God, God give, give you peace. peace.